Running the bases with small businesses. I'm Randy Rohde, and I have a passion to work with small businesses, and I love baseball. So I thought, hey, let's bring them together. So every episode, I sit down with local entrepreneurs, business builders, and small business owners to talk about their wins and whiffs, their tools of the trade, and to give actionable tips to other business managers. We'll cover the bases with entrepreneurship, operations, sales, digital marketing, innovation, plus a little fun baseball talk. Thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say, play ball. And there we go. It's a great day for a ball game. Every day is a good day for a ball game in my in my estimation. Uh, hey, I'm Randy Rohde, and you are listening to Running the Bases with Small Businesses. And uh, today I'm really excited to have uh, Debbie Luxo from Local Box. Uh, and Local Box, a very unique service and product offering that I'm really anxious to explore. So, Debbie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Randy. It's great to be here. This is my uh, first time out since COVID started. Oh, my. <laughs> you've, you've had a, uh, a challenging three months then, right? Very challenging. Yeah, yeah. So, Debbie, why don't you uh, tell us all about Local Box? What is it? How long have you been doing it? What kind of things do you do? Sure. Local Box is a gifting service. We offer local small batch artisan products, and we curate them into themed boxes. Um, We really support the small person who is making cookies out of a kitchen or rented a kitchen or making maple syrup out of the trees in their backyard. Or um, some of our clients are making uh, new products like uh, hot sauce or um, candies. We really try to promote the small company that is starting off in Northeast Ohio, and like I said, all over Ohio. So uh, how long have you been doing this? We started this business in 2014. Um, I had been in corporate my whole life, and when I left, decided to take a completely new avenue, and uh, I had the help of my daughter, who I call her a professional entrepreneur, and in the course of a couple months, we wrote a business plan, we applied for all of our licenses, and did all the things that we're supposed to do, and I decided to take just a few products. Uh, When I was in corporate, I had friends and family outside the state of Ohio, and I felt um, a real pride in this area especially in the spring when they have pancake breakfast. So I developed a relationship with a person that did maple syrup, uh, a company that milled their own pancake flour, a person who made homemade jams. And I put them together in a box and I sent them out to friends and family for Christmas. They loved it. Then I found myself um, getting phone calls from them saying, hey, can we order that from you? We don't want to wait until next Christmas. I started thinking about it. Of course, I sent them more and um, thought, well, this might be a good opportunity to expand and share a little bit of Northeast Ohio. And that's how we started. And that was back, what, 14? 2014? I was in 14. And what happened was kind of funny in a way. I was very well prepared for maybe 250 gifts if I was lucky. We developed a website and 
that's the way people ordered. Well, funny, funny thing is I got a corporate order, which I wasn't really expecting. And in the course of six weeks from Thanksgiving to the end of the year, and that 250 grew. And I was calling my box people and say, oh, my gosh, I need more boxes. I need more crinkle paper. I need more product. I mean, it was just wild. We had product and crinkle paper all over our house. What happened then, instead of 250 boxes, we sold almost 1,000. Oh, my goodness. In six weeks. That's a uh, that's a nice problem to have. Right? Oh, it was a great problem yeah, to have. Yeah. It and, was a great problem. And I suppose your production team, which AKA probably family members, <laughs> right? <laughs> At that point, my production team came was made up of anybody I could get a hold of. My neighbors across the street helped me. My daughter flew in from uh, Nashville at that point to help. Obviously, my husband Paul helped me. I had teenage kids coming over and helping me assemble boxes and stamp them. I, I mean, literally, if you breathed and walked, I grabbed you uh, yeah. and helped. Well, what a great experience. Yeah, that fun. is fabulous. So I love it. So you said you mentioned you've got... Um, so now you pull gifts together and you do all different kinds of things. Your website is great. And so you mentioned though, that you do like themed boxes so mm -hmm. that people can go online and like, Hey, I want to get, uh, you know, a themed box. What, 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 like what kind of themes do you, do you well, have? Um, stemming from the original, we have a breakfast box, which now includes a, a local coffee, a local tea, um, the local jams, the pancake flour that we started off with on day one, maple syrup, and we put that all in a box. That's called a breakfast box. I also have a pottery maker who makes my signature mug, and the mug is um, can be added to that as well. Okay. I do a lot of custom orders. The website, I think, is like a jumping point. You know, you can go on the website, get an idea of what's there, what's available. And then you can say, hey, I like the mug here. I like the pancake mix here. But, you know, we're not drinking tea, so leave out the tea, add something else. Oh, that's kind of where we're going with it. Mm -hmm. We're really good at curating and customizing. Some of the other themed boxes mm -hmm. uh, might be an afternoon tea. I did quite a bit during the, the COVID, mm -hmm. uh, an appreciation gift for yeah. employees that were displaced. And now that we're working at home and their employers wanted to say, hey, thanks, we really appreciate you. Um, mm -hmm. I did a baby box this morning. The baby was born last night and the woman called and said, hey, can you put something together? And yeah, we did it. You just pulled it just like that. Well, that's great. Um, Back in 2014, you had kind of this inspiration. You were, you know, really kind of just started giving the gifts from yourself to people, mm -hmm. and which then kind of germinated the idea of the of the business itself. And so, uh, I love how you say that your daughter's kind of the professional entrepreneur. I'm sure she looks at you and like, Mom, I'm so proud of you. You know, and, and here she you does. are being entrepreneur. So thinking back in those years, you know, six seven years ago. Um, with the inspiration, do you feel the same way today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I think I was more nervous at the beginning and um, timid. And now I just, I have such a passion for it. I just, I lean into it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I might not have all, the, I don't have all the answers. I don't know if everything I'm doing is the best way, but I'm doing it. And I'm learning along as I, as I go. But yes. Good. I love that. That's great. Um, uh, first question would be, where do you find the artisans um, and, and where do you find these products? Well, initially, it was 
over years of just um, using the products, like the maple syrup and the maple, or I'm sorry, the pancake mix. Now it is more, I have a lot of referrals. I have people calling me saying they want to be part of Local Box family. I go to farmer's markets. Um, I do a lot of uh, tasting, looking at packaging. All of that is critical to a successful business. One of the most important things is that labeling of the product is is done properly. There's some pretty stringent Ohio laws. So if a person is making cookies and they're working out of their home, they also need to know the cottage laws of Ohio to know that labeling is critical. I, I really need to find artisans that will follow those guidelines. Otherwise, I, I really cannot use them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say most of the artisans that I find are referrals now or uh, farmer's markets. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, obviously, COVID-19. We've been, you know, as a, as a country, as a world, uh, really kind of battling this mm-hmm. and, and going through all different kinds of things. Um, and I'd read somewhere, you know, that you really stated how important your service, your business has been for these local artisans, these small business uh, owners, micro businesses, you know, can you explain that mm-hmm. further? Sure. I'm very, very proud to say that I have heard from my, I call them my makers, my makers um, on many occasions saying, if it weren't for local box, they may not even be in business right now. Because my cookie makers are not making cookies for parties because nobody's having parties. It's, It's pretty much the same with all of the products. If they make a product for a restaurant, the restaurants weren't open. But local box thrived through that period of time because of all the local companies that wanted to support local first and secondly um, wanted to extend their gratitude to the people that they were sending the gifts to. Mm. So Mm. I'm very, very grateful that we were able to help these small batch local artisans stay in business um, during this period of time. Things are opening up now. They've got a little bit more opportunity to sell the products. In your business, I think, is and to hear you even talk about it, it's um, you really kind of straddle a couple of different fences, maybe, in that, one, you have your own small business. I mean, this is your business that mm-hmm. you curate these products and send them out as a gifting service. Um, but then you also, I think, have this very um, kind of nurturing, benevolent aspect that you are enabling other smaller individuals or businesses flourish in their own entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's, I find that just very unique. I mean, that is just a, an incredible mixture. I think of both uh, it's the win-win, right? And, and then the third win is the clients that you serve that get the gifts. Exactly. And it's a win-win-win. I think in all that just, the the end client needs to understand that these are small batch local artisans. Therefore, pricing's different. That's probably one of my challenges is that the prices are higher. They're not making hundreds of any one product. They're making a few. I'm, I'll order a dozen or a couple dozen of something. They can't afford to give me a reduced cost because that's what they cost. And they have to make money. I make a little money. 
I think that's that's one of the, the challenges that I have in explaining this to people who buy. But I'm sure the people that buy probably do understand the value and the quality of the product that they're getting and understand that, you know, that's it, not just buying, you know, three dozen of something from somewhere else, but it's really, these are handmade. These are small batched, uh, and the quality and the efforts, uh, that artisan aspect is real and it, does have a little premium cost to it. It so, does. It yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. That's my ideal customer. Yeah. The customer that understands that. Yeah. Yeah. So you work with these um, micro businesses, these small uh, artisans. Um, what kind of advice do you have for folks who either maybe wanting to get into the game, kind of sticking with our baseball theme, or that are currently? providing uh, the goods to for you. Um, what kind of advice do you have or some pointers maybe that you might be able to give, especially for those who are thinking, boy, I'd really like to get my stuff into micro, uh, into the micro business, but uh, into local bucks. I guess the number one thing that I would say they have to decide, is this a business or is this a hobby? If it's a hobby, it might not serve them well to contact local bucks. They have to have a serious um, avenue to be able to go through all the hoops that you have to go through in order to be classified as a maker. Like I was saying, you have to have a license to do this. You have to have proper labeling. These days, you really need to have a rented kitchen or something that you can say, this is my business, as opposed to making cookies out of your kitchen. One of the things I would say to them is be serious about it. Make sure that you have researched all of your ingredients. Make sure that they're all labeled. What I would recommend is a website. If a serious maker uh, wants to be part of the local box family, uh, well, that's one of my criteria is that they have to have a website. All right. So it is very unique. I want to get into a little bit more of that um, uh, uh, service and, and that you're providing, but I want to also say, hey. It's time for the seventh inning stretch. All right. Time for the seventh inning stretch. A little fun thing that we do here, uh, Debbie. Um, so in thinking about and so much of what you kind of have in your boxes, a lot of food items, right? Oh, yes. Yes. All right. Snacks. Do you like to go to baseball games? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite food to get at a baseball game? Hot dogs. Hot dogs? <laughs> yes. Everybody loves a hot dog, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it it happens that uh, my research team actually pulled together a few numbers around hot dogs. No. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I do have to say, this was not fed to her literally. By um, so hot dogs. Did you know? Take a gander at like how many hot dogs in last year's baseball season were consumed at just at the stadiums, just in baseball stadiums throughout the season. Millions. Millions is right. 18.3 million to be exact. That's a whole lot of hot <laughs> That's a dogs. a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> and uh, would you like to guess which team or stadium had uh, consumed the most hot dogs? Oh, Chicago. Uh, Chicago hot dogs. Um, 
Well, as a Cubs fan, um, I would say, well, of course, but they actually are number two uh, at Wrigley. Um, they consumed uh, about 1.2 million, um, but the Dodgers uh, over at Dodger Stadium, 2.7 million. Really? Dogs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and my research team as well said, hey, did you happen to know that actually in L.A., they eat the most hot dogs in any other place in the country? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a so, good thing. <laughs> so not just at the ball game, but everywhere. So that's pretty crazy. So anyway, so that's our uh, that's our little bit of uh, seventh inning stretch. So thank you and go enjoy a hot dog. Pull, right. pull it up. Um, all right. So let's get back. Let's get back to the uh, to the game here. Well, can I just say uh, one thing real quickly? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my boxes is called the seventh inning stretch. Hey, there you go. Uh-huh. Right. No it. hot dogs, but we've got the, the Burtman's mustard in there. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, that's good. I love that stuff. That is. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So as a small business owner and operator, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face? Well, I think I touched on it a little bit. Um, the pricing that really is my number one challenge is explaining to the buyer why my pricing is higher. And I have to step backwards and say, okay, if that is that critical to you, then you are not my ideal customer. And if you want to put these together you're on your own, go for it. You know, you can do it yourself. It's not that hard, but that's why my pricing is higher. Um, the other thing is shelf life. When you are putting cookies, biscotti, whatever it might be that is has a very short shelf life, I don't like to order too many at one time. So say, for example, I've got a couple dozen, and then I get an order for, you know, 75 boxes. I need to have a little bit of lead time in order to put an order in for cookies so that they they stay fresh. So I think those are the two things, is, is the pricing and the shelf life. Yeah, yeah, the inventory control I could see that as being a big challenge mm-hmm. um, all the way around, actually. So as you mentioned about the shelf life, but, every, you know, and to your point, like if all of a sudden you get a big order for something that's going to have the cookies in it mm-hmm. or, or something that you have some, but you need a lot more right. um, understanding the lead time on that. Um, yeah, that would be a big challenge. So what are some things that you've done over the years to, to begin to tackle or approach those challenges? Just be straight with the customer. In most cases, when I'm having a conversation with them and they say, I want it out tomorrow, they really don't need it out tomorrow. They need to understand the process. And once I have a conversation with them, it's not an issue. They said, okay, I'd rather have fresh cookies. You know, it's really, it really isn't a problem. I have found in 99% of the time when I'm dealing with clients is having a conversation, introducing them to our process, uh, helping them to understand what it is that we're doing, they're all in mm-hmm. and they're much more flexible. Well, and I would seem, um, you know, your business is uh, so unique. And, and again, I think because you're not only providing, you know, kind of this flavor of Ohio, which has its uniqueness to it, um, and but you're supporting these micro businesses, these artisans that are providing these great goods, um, and I would think that that probably carries a lot of weight then for the people who are ordering um, your products. I, you know, again, kind of identifying who y- your customers are 
um, and who the type of people, I guess, maybe um, that are ordering from you, you know, probably understand that. A, they probably want, you know, like, oh, I, re- I remember this or I love this stuff. I love products from Ohio. I love to be able to support, you know, the small business owners. Um, and so I would imagine there's probably that transparency, I think, as you're communicating. I, I would think that that carries, uh, you know, strong pull with them. I have to agree. I have to agree. I think it's the um, the connection with the right company or the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk a lot about companies, um, but it's the individual as well. You know, the individual that wants to send a gift to their neighbor who moved out of state or parents that are out of state. So it's it's an interesting business because I'm dealing with companies and I'm dealing with individuals. So when you think about it, it's it's um it's not the same, right? It's right. really not the same. Well, and then you've got the whole other uh, the supplier side of that, which I don't, how many different artisan suppliers are you working with? At any given time, there could be seventy to eighty with local artisans. They come and go, right? And I've had the very first time someone said to me, "Hey, Deb." I'm sorry, but I can't fill your order. I'm not doing it anymore. I was like, what? what? You're not? Why? Well, because my kids are already out of college, and my husband and I are going to retire, and we are decided that I don't have time for this business. Or for whatever reason. But it doesn't matter. For whatever reason, they choose not to continue. So I pivot, and we move along. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why I'm always, always looking for new makers. Mm -hmm. Even if I've got a great group, I'm always looking for new ones because you just never know. Right. Right. Um, I I know from my own experience talking with a lot of other, um, business owners, you know, sometimes it's just hard. It's, it's a hard game. It's a hard grinding season that just never ends. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so sometimes you go through some of those, you know, tough patches. It's hard to stay positive, kind of keep the focus. I don't know. Have you ever faced that challenge? Um, and where do you go for support? I have definitely faced that challenge. In fact, um, probably more so this year than I have in the past. Knowing more is not always good. The way that I handle it is I reach out and talk to other entrepreneurs, not necessarily other friends or family, because they don't quite understand what you go through as an entrepreneur. And as a solopreneur, you're everything. You do it all. And that can be so daunting. So I'll reach out. Um, One of the things that I have found most beneficial is networking groups that I belong to, Mm -hmm. various organizations in Northeast Ohio that I'm part of. I can pick up the phone and call any one of those members of those organizations they get it. They understand. And they'll give me time, you know, really voice my opinion and ask for help. Mm-hmm. They're there. What, uh, what groups are you a part of? Well, I'm, um, I'm a very active member of the Chagrin Valley Chamber of Commerce. I'm on their executive board. I also am a very active member of the National Association of Business um, Women's Business Owners. It is uh, an organization where we have a chapter here in Cleveland, and I'm also on that board. And they are phenomenal women that would help 
in a heartbeat. I'm also involved in Red Key Network, which is a Geauga County group of women. Though I'm not as active any longer with them, um, they're, they're a wonderful support. So really, I would say those three are my top ones. I just joined WIN, which is Women's International Networking, and I think that's going to be a good source uh, as well. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm a big proponent of having just a, a group of people, whether it's in a formal organization, like you've mentioned, or other entrepreneurs that you can go and just bounce ideas off of, seek counsel, but it, it is tough. You know, it's, mm. it's difficult to kind of keep your own focus when you've got so much kind of feels like it's just all coming down on you. And, and I think you're right. It, it's hard to kind of talk to family and friends sometimes about it because they're not in it every day, maybe with you. Um, and that's good and bad too. So, mm. yeah, well, and I, I guess kind of coming out of this and especially for our listeners is, um, something that I would just encourage folks. And I think, you know, Debbie, you would, uh, agree with this is, you know, seek out those kinds of groups, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a solopreneur, especially, um, because you really do need those, uh, support structures and people to help you kind of navigate the various challenges. I mean, we just are coming through an incredibly challenging time through this COVID-19 and the lockdowns that we've had and, and, and have endured. And we've seen businesses just absolutely just get crushed. And, you know, having those outside supports can really be uh, an asset for any individual and, uh, and business as well. So that's good. I'm glad, glad to hear your, uh, progressing with that. So how do you market your business? I know you have a website. Um, what do you find to be the most impactful for getting the word out about local bucks? Hmm. The number one is referrals. So that comes from what well, can come from many sources. Um, a referral I've had lately comes from all the gifts that I've sent to employees. For example, one of the employees that I sent a gift to in March brought it home her, his, his um, wife looked at it. She was so excited about it, she called the next day and ordered it for her staff. That then, in turn, her staff then took it to the law firm that her husband was involved in, and that law firm then ordered gifts for their team. It's a referral thing, right. again. That's a great um, wave of like better and yes. just better and better. <laughs> That's the gift, truly the gift that keeps oh, on giving, right? It That's, definitely is. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. And I always ask, I always try to follow up and say, you know, how well, how was it received? Mm. And I, I just get over and over again. Oh my gosh, they were so happy. They were thrilled. They were so surprised. They loved the products. Well, I, I think you give a great lesson about referral and, um, you know, as a uh, digital marketing agency, obviously mm-hmm. uh, we're very engaged in trying to expand uh, a business's and brand's footprint across the world of the internet. Um, but word of mouth, that referral that, hey, let me tell you about that you may have in a conversation with somebody, that is pure gold. Um, and you know, it's something that we try to do as an agency to try to, you know, create those conversations, but you know, obviously you're doing a great job of, uh, getting the word out and people loving what you do. 
kind of coming into uh, the bottom of the ninth here, Debbie, uh, right? The games go so fast, right? <laughs> the game does go fast. <laughs> uh, what advice or comments do you have for those um, maybe starting out in their own business, whether it's doesn't matter what it is, I guess, but just, I mean, you've been in the game now for, you know, several years and you've had some ups and downs, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. here you are, you've weathered COVID. So, <laughs> right. My number one advice is to don't wait. Don't wait until everything is perfect. And don't wait for don't wait for the perfect opportunity because there is no perfect opportunity. Just go for it. Number one advice. Second advice, you everybody wants to give you advice. Everybody wants to tell you you should do it this way, you should do it that way. Take their advice, be gracious, and listen to your gut. You know what you need to do. You need. You know what works for you, and go with that. I mean, do do listen, because you might pick up things here and there from people. But you know, go go with your gut. Good words of wisdom, right there. That is good <laughs> stuff. All right. So, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? The website is local. Is pronounced the website is pronounced local, but the spelling's a little different. Yeah. It's www l o c l e b o x dot com right local box with local little, box and little, let me do just Cleveland right uh, well I was at the Cleveland airport when we came up with that that c l e is the airport symbol for a Cleveland Hopkins airport I came up with that before the c l e came up became a, a big deal in Cleveland. <laughs> You're a Why didn't I go. trademark that? <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So uh, Father's Day is around the corner. You got yeah. any special uh, offers or deals? Uh, I do. That- I do. Um, actually, the number one for Father's Day is always that seventh inning stretch, you know, and that has the Burtman's mustard in it and, oh, it has popcorn and peanuts and all that good stuff. And then the second one that I've come up with is called Hot in the CLE. And that is some spice with, there's nuts and there's hot sauce in there. And there's just a lot of good, yummy stuff that we are hoping that the dads out there will love. Oh my, get some, like some uh, barbecue or yep. grilling mm-hmm. uh, rubs in there or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we've got some oh, rubs. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, hopefully my family, uh, hint, hint, would be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Debbie. I appreciate it. Oh, I think our listeners, my pleasure. I'm sure they enjoyed as well. And uh, everybody get over to Local Box. That's L O C L E B O X. And uh, check out everything that uh, Debbie has. It's great. Yeah, or give me a call. Or give her a call. Right. All right. All right. So that's the ball game. So, hey, thanks for joining us today. And if you liked our show, please tell your friends, subscribe, and of course, give us a good review. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.